Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Father, I just thank you for bringing us together this morning. I thank you for this opportunity to deliver your word. Father, you know the things that have transpired, that have led to this moment. I pray that you will guide and direct that the words that are spoken are your words, not mine. That there is a discerning audience here that will receive the words and that it will touch their heart and they will be blessed and ministered by it. And that the devil will not be able to have a hold on them, that every chain of bondage is broken. And that they have freedom and liberty to receive what you have for them this morning. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo, man. Uh, so you're not going to have slides this morning. I'm just going to go ahead and let you know what you see up there is what you're going to see the whole time. So I'm going to need you to pay attention to me as best as possible. All right? Uh, the devil likes to work in mysterious ways. And this morning he worked in a man that could not remember to bring his slides. And then uh, a man that also didn't put the slides in the right format so that it could be in the, uh, up there for you. I do have the slides. If you want to see them, they're in a flash drive over there on the pew. But uh, uh, you would need a computer and the ability to access PowerPoint to uh, see them. So, uh, But know that they were beautiful. They were probably the best slides I've ever created. Um, the Lord was going to do miraculous things through those slides. And that's why the enemy has uh, prevented you from seeing them. But there is at least one part that I felt was really powerful in those slides, and I will make sure to reiterate it during the sermon, so hopefully you'll still get a bit of it. Amen? All right. So now that we're clear on what's not going to happen up there, so you won't be distracted, let's focus right here. So, as Pastor Kyle was talking about in continuing the Pressure Point sermon, uh, the sermon title today is The Pressure of Performance. And uh, I'd like to sidetrack a little bit already, because that's just the way I'm going to do it. God knows the desires of your heart, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it does not mean that it is big, amazing, overwhelming things. Like When it says that God will give you the desires of your heart, it even means those little tiny things that you just kind of hope will happen, or you wish could have happened, and God just allows it to happen sometimes. And an example of that is honestly this morning, a few weeks ago, I wasn't feeling well, and I had a message that I was going to preach in youth, and I was really excited about it, and I did not get to deliver the message, I gave it to Holly, she said she rocked it, I believe her, that she did, but I was a bit heartbroken because I really thought it was a good message, and when you get like built up into something, uh, but when Pastor Kyle asked me to preach uh, this message and I found out what it was about, it was very closely related, so I was able to kind of pick some things from that and throw it into this one this morning, and I was just reminded that, you know what God said, you really wanted to preach that message, so here's a little bit of the same thing, go at it, you know, champ, you can get it. So, um, just a shout out to God that, you know, the desires of your heart, great, small, he, he wants to take care of all of them, so uh, just the desire to give it to him, and he'll, he'll do what he says he will do. So, if I was to say this morning that we're going to talk about the pressure of performance, for many, it wouldn't be the pressure to be like Jesus. If I say about pressure to perform and how to, to live up to a standard or how to get by, we wouldn't think about, all oh, the pressure to be the example that Jesus set for us or the pressure to be a good Christian. 
For many of us, if I was to say the pressure to perform or to uh, pressure of performance, you think about being successful at work, the pressure to be a good employee, a good spouse, a good mentor, uh, a good father, a good mother, a good friend, you know, or even just to be accepted, the, the pressure of being accepted by your peers. You wouldn't really think about the pressure of being a servant of God. The pressure of living up to the standard that Jesus set for us. Because the issue is, is we allow the pressure of the population to mean more to us than the pressure of our Savior. We care more about what Jim or Sally or whomever will think about us than we care about what Jesus thinks about our actions. And our inactions, as we would talk about today. We care more about what they think than what he thinks. And it puts us in situations where we don't recognize the fact that we're falling short. We're falling short in a big way. And, you know, I want to reiterate it's not a bad thing to want to be a good spouse. It's not a bad thing to want to do good at your job and to give honor to your employer or to be a great Father or mother, those are things that you should want. Those are things you should desire. They are not bad in themselves, but we have to understand that the way to be those things is by being a follower of Jesus Christ and putting him first. You want to give honor to your employer. You want to give honor to your spouse. You want to give honor to your children. You want to be a great example, and you want to perform in a way that brings glory and honor, then give glory and honor to God. You know, pressure, as Pastor Kyle was even talking about with the pressure washer, pressure makes diamonds, right? Pressure in itself is not bad. It's not bad to have a pressure to go and succeed or a pressure or a desire to, to see things be done. It's just, where is that pressure coming from and how are you allowing it to be applied in your life? Because if Jesus is number one, if Jesus is the top desire, if Jesus is the only thing that we are seeking after, if he is the one that we are looking to, to perform for, to say, Jesus, let me live a life according to your will, then we won't feel weighed down by everything else that the world has to say and do. We won't feel the need to be perfect for our peers. James wants us to understand that the type of pressure we should feel is the pressure of being a true example of Jesus Christ. The pressure to walk the walk. Because it's easy to go around and tell people you're a believer. It's easy to show up and drive up to church. As much as the pews aren't completely filled, and even less so on a Wednesday, it isn't that hard to tell people you're a believer. But it's very difficult, if you're not following Jesus Christ, to walk the walk. It's very difficult to be the example that the world needs to see if you don't give everything to him. So I want to talk about some of the things we need to do in order to live up to the standard that Jesus set for us, as James calls out in the, some of the verses we're going to call out this morning. So the first thing you need to do, if you want to live up to the standard that Jesus set for you, you got to watch your mouth. You gotta watch your mouth. Say it in a stricter 
more demanding tone, you better watch your mouth. James 1, 26 says, and if you want to turn there, that's where we're at. James 1, uh, 26, and we're also going to read a little bit of James chapter 2, but he says, and I would have had those verses on the screen, had the devil not messed me up. But James 1, 26 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. We know, the Bible tells us that the tongue has the power of life and death. Right? So we have to be mindful to guard our tongue and keep it from saying things that's going to separate us from Christ. We have to understand that the words we say and the words you type have the ability to separate you from Christ. And it has the ability for people to look at you and say, they say they're a Christian, but I don't see the evidence. So we must guard our tongue, but does that mean that we are supposed to be silent? No. Because the power, the tongue does have the power of death, but it also has the power of life. You see, Holy Spirit-guided words have the ability to transform generations. Not just single moments. The Holy Spirit can fix what you're going through right now with a single word, but he can also change the whole course of a family. Generations can be changed through the power of the tongue. And this is the part that if it would have been on a slide, you would have loved it, so listen to me good. The tongue is a direct reflection of your heart. A dirty mouth reflects a dirty heart. Let me say that again. A dirty mouth is a reflection of a dirty heart. If people can't be around you without hearing crude, horrible things coming out of your mouth, gossip, lies, bigotry, not even just curse words, they can't be around you without sensing sin. That's sitting in your heart. That's not just your tongue doing something that your heart doesn't feel. That's your tongue reiterating what's welling up out of your heart. So when James says you have to keep a tight rein on your tongue, you have to understand what's in your heart. You have to understand what does my heart say? What does my heart want? You have to judge your heart. And judge the words that are coming out of your mouth and understand, are they bringing life or are they bringing death? And if the words out of my mouth don't speak life, then I need to shut my mouth. And I need to judge what's going on in my heart that's causing these things to come out of my mouth. And I need to repent. And I need to get right with God so that I can be the example. I need to perform. I need to live up to the standard that Jesus has set for me. So I need to get over it. And like I said, this goes for social media too. Those words that you type, they have just as much weight as the words that you speak. The things that you just hit share, and you don't even type, but you just say, hey, I endorse this. Let's just share this on out there. It is also a direct reflection of your heart. 
I'm going to have a few challenges for you this morning, and this is the first one for you today. Is I challenge you to live a life that compels people around you to change the way that they talk. To live a life to where people second-guess the words that come out of their mouth because of the words that come out of yours. You see, I've been blessed that in my life as, a, as an employee, I don't go around and just tell everybody I'm a Christian. I don't go around and, you know, wave the flag of, of Christianity and just say, bow down, you know, I follow Jesus and all this stuff. But I've always been around people that if they happen to slip up and they say something or they curse they say, I'm sorry. I don't tell them they need to. It's not anything I say. It's all right. It happens. But they feel convicted to do that because they know I don't. And they know the life that I'm living, so they don't feel like it's right to do that around me. Live a life that people feel compelled to change. The words that are coming out of their mouth. Our kids, they know. We tell them. If you don't hear mommy and daddy say it, you don't say it. Because guess what? They're going to hear it. You can't keep a kid. <laughs> you can't keep them from hearing it. So you have to be the example. You have to be the standard. You have to be the one that says, you know what? If you don't hear mommy and daddy say it, you don't say it. You repeat the words that come out of our mouth, not somebody else's. And I've had to have that conversation a few times. With our oldest, say, I don't you say that. I remember the very first time he said a curse word. I about lost my mind. I was at a Gator game. Shouldn't have known. And the guy behind me said the S word, and he repeated it. And I said, Don't you dare ever say that word. And I just turned around and looked at that dude, and he's like, I'm sorry. I said, you watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a Florida State fan. We were at the Florida State fan. Those guys are the worst. They have the worst language of all of them. Thank you, Pastor Goff, for making sure to call that out. <laughs> yeah, look at them. <laughs> Bunch of sinners, all of them. Pray they find forgiveness in Jesus Christ and they anoint themselves at the altar of Tim Tebow. Amen. Alright. Enough of that. I'm sorry. I just got sidetracked. So that's number one. You've got to watch your mouth. You want to live up to the standard. You want to perform. You want to succeed. You want to live up to the standard that Christ has given us. And you want to live a life that's faith with works. Watch your mouth. The second thing is you have to separate yourself from this world. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and blameless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, honestly, as I was reading over this verse, I remembered about the orphans and the widows that we need to take care of them. But I honestly missed that last part, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You are called to be in the world, but not of the world, Right? You see, there should be clear evidence by the way you live that this world is not your home. There should be clear evidence that you do not belong in these times. That you do not belong here. That you are different. That you are set apart. That you are a city on a hill. A light that shines out. You know, it's amazing that, that video that they played, the verse that was at the end, Matthew 5, 16. That was the very first memory verse I ever learned 
Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's just one of those things that reminds me God's got a message. It's not me. I see something like that and it's like, oh, thank you, God. But we are called to be a light in a very dark place. But see, it's unfortunate is that we want to fit in. We want to be accepted so much that we lose our very soul to be part of a world that isn't even ours. We want to be admired. We want to be accepted by our peers. We want to fit in. We don't want to be on the outside looking in. We want to be popular. We want to be in the in crowd. We want to be accepted. And I'm not even talking about just kids in school. I'm talking about at work. I'm talking around your family. Because not everybody's got a Christian household. And sometimes you get around your siblings and you feel the desire to act a way that you wouldn't act in front of everybody else or in church. Too many of us want to fit in and not realizing that this isn't even the place for us. It doesn't mean that we shun this world. It doesn't mean that we treat everybody as that they're less than us. But we have to guard our interactions and our intentions with the world. I have to understand why do I desire this? Why do I desire to be around my peers? What intention do I have in fitting in? Why do I want this? You see, there's an example. I heard this a long time ago, and it, it sticks with me, and I, I've probably shared it in here before, but I just love it as an example. Because so many people, when they, they talk about Jesus, and they say, but Jesus died with the sinners, and Jesus was here for the sinners, and he spent time with the sinners, and they act like Jesus was BFS with the sinners. But you see, Jesus' relationships differ depending on who they were and what his intention was. You see, when Jesus was there preaching to the crowds, he gave them the parables. So over here, Jesus is telling everybody, he's telling the thousands, here's what you need to know, and he's speaking in parables. He leaves them and he goes to his 12 disciples. He goes then into a deeper relationship. He explains the parables to them. He says, this is what I meant when I told them that. He wants them to get a little bit extra, right? And then he goes to James and Peter and John, and he takes them to the Mount of Transfiguration. When he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes them into the inner garden with them to pray. They had an even closer relationship with Jesus. And then if you wanted to, you could even say that John, being the one that's called, is the one that Jesus loved. Jesus was here to witness and win the lost. But Jesus did not associate. He did not give them everything. He did not share his innermost issues and secrets. He didn't share his prayer life with the sinners. He shared that with his disciples. And with the ones that he knew the most. Too many of us are giving too much of our heart to people that aren't meant to have it. We are supposed to separate ourselves. It doesn't mean I can't go out with you. I can't eat dinner with you. I can't fellowship with you. But I'm not going to give you my heart. I'm not going to reveal my innermost secrets or the things I'm tempted with or the issues I'm going through because you're not on the same light, precious faith. I'm going to give that to somebody else, somebody that can help guide me and direct me. This morning, I challenge you to live a life that makes people question why you're different. From everybody else. I don't know what it is about you. But you're different. 
I don't know how you do it, but you're different. Somebody that, I just had this happen a few weeks ago, and I thought I was boasting about myself. Excuse me, I'm not meaning to. Uh, she's got it, right? So, but a few weeks ago, I had a coworker just talk to me on the phone, and we've known each other for about a year and a half now, and um, because of COVID, we rarely see each other, but we get on phone calls every once in a while, and he said, man, I admire you. He said, it doesn't matter what the situation is, you're always the same. He said, it doesn't matter how stressful it is, what our boss says, you don't change. You are the same. You're always happy. He said, I want to drink what you're drinking. I got some living water, my friend. Live a life that people question, how in the world do you make it? How do you make it in this world? How do you stay happy? How do you not allow the devil to weigh you down with those trials and tribulations that we talked about? That it doesn't matter what happens, and yeah, you might get sucker punched. You know, you might show up one day, it's not that bad, but you may show up and go to preach and you don't have slides. But you know what? It's all right. You're still going to get something out of it, I hope. And if you don't, it's not my fault. So. Glad you're coming. So the last thing we need to do Third item. Last thing we need to do to be an example of Jesus Christ is to love like Jesus loves. You gotta watch your mouth, you gotta separate yourself from this world, and you gotta love like Jesus loves. James 2, verses 8 through 9, says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. He says, But if you show favoritism, you sin. And are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Man, I was like, wow, James. I can't even show favoritism? I can't even like somebody a little more than somebody else? I can't love this person just a little bit more? James says it's not even enough to just love, but even showing favoritism is a sin. And in the portion of scripture, he talks specifically about when the rich come in, don't give them the best seat and then tell the poor they have to sit in the back. So the question is, are you willing to wash the feet of a visitor just as quickly as you are to wash the feet of a pastor? That's something that we used to do in churches. I don't know. Maybe you remember that. People would wash your feet. Um, you don't want to wash my feet. I got to do this too. I'll tell you. She might appreciate if you washed mine after church. Um, just so it would be a little less thinking when I get home. But. but what James is telling us, it doesn't matter the status of the person. It doesn't matter how much money they make. It doesn't matter their title. It doesn't matter their position. All deserve to be treated the same with love. That rich and poor can sit one next to one another. Black and white can sit next to one another. That it doesn't matter what you think and what you believe that we all belong to the same family, have the same seat at the table, and all belong. And the sad truth is we do. In churches, we have our cliques. We have our people we want to associate with. We have people we don't want to associate with. And we want to separate ourselves. And even in our own body of believers, we have a left hand that doesn't want to hang out with the right hand. Left foot that hates the right ear. All kinds of weird stuff. 
It's, all, it's almost like the Frankenstein, this monster, that's put together by a bunch of different pieces. Instead of one true cohesive body, we treat each other like we're just different parts, just kind of thrown together. When really we all belong to the same body. See, Jesus told his disciples in John 13, verses 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's that simple. You want to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. You love as Jesus loved. It's not, it's not difficult. You don't even have to. You don't have to be caught praying in your prayer closet to be known as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to post about where you've been or what you're doing or how many hallelujahs you gave. All you got to do is love. Because the world doesn't really understand what true love looks like. Because see, in this world, love means acceptance. Love means I accept you for where you're at and what you're doing and you're fine by me. Love doesn't drive change in this generation, in this society. Love doesn't mean that I want better for you. Love means I want you to stay the same. But Jesus says love means I want you to get better. I want you to be better. I want you to be with me in heaven. And I want anything that it takes for you to get there. Even if it means telling you something that you may not want to hear. Loving the unlovable is what makes us different. Being willing to love as Jesus loves means bringing about correction and forgiveness. See, too many of us just want to get by and just act like it's okay and love somebody and treat them nice and that's it. We don't want to try and guide somebody into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. We forget about the ability to drive correct, correction and, and rebuke a situation that needs to be rebuked. It's a true test of what means more to us if we are unwilling to love and correct someone to heaven because of social pressure. But I'm not going to tell you that what you're doing may lead you to hell because I don't want to offend you. Because I don't want to offend somebody else. You see, as a parent, if you have a child that's caught up in drugs, you love that child. But you don't want them to stay doing and using drugs. You love them despite the fact that they're addicted to something they shouldn't be. But it doesn't mean you want them to stay that way. And it's the same way that Jesus loves us. He loves us where we're at, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to keep growing and keep getting better and better and working closer and closer to the perfection that he exhibited for us. And we always have a piece of us that needs to be chiseled off, broken away, tossed away, and given to him. And we're allowing too many people to go to hell because we don't want to offend them. So I challenge you today to love everyone you come across and show them Jesus in every interaction. And understand, when I tell you to love like Jesus, I'm really meaning to love like Jesus. Not love like you understand love to mean, but love like Jesus. Somebody that would go into a church and turn the tables over and tell the people to get out. The one that would tell the woman being uh, accused of adultery that when she was told, hey, you know what, is anybody else here left to accuse you? Then neither am I. He didn't just say, okay, now go on and continue being, living in adultery. 
No, he said, go and sin no more. Have the ability to tell people, stop doing what they should stop doing. Because you have a Holy Spirit-guarded tongue that understands what is wrong and what is right. And you can help speak life into somebody. See, every day you're faced with the pressure to be an example. And what you are an example of depends on you. Nobody tells you that, hey, it's okay to slack a little bit today. It's okay to show a little sin in front of your family, in front of coworkers. Because you are to be the example of Jesus to your spouse, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your coworkers, to your friends. So is the example of Jesus Christ you're portraying worth following? Are you portraying an example of Jesus Christ that people can say, you know what? I want to be just like them. The worship team, if you can come back up. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. That should be our heart. As I'm following Jesus Christ, let me be an example to my kids, to my grandkids, to my spouse, to my coworker, so that when they see me, they see him. And they can understand that they should be following the example that I'm setting forth because I'm following the example he set forth for me. And that hopefully at some point they're going to come to a realization that they too can tap into it and directly connect and follow the example that Jesus set for them. You know, I mentioned everyone around you, including yourself, is constantly showing you examples of what to do and what not to do. And it's up to you to determine what to do with that information. I've talked about this a lot in youth, uh, but my childhood, I had a really bad example of what a husband and father should look like, and honestly, what a Christian should look like. And I could have looked at that example and I could have said, this is the way it's supposed to be. I need to get addicted to drugs. I should be doing cocaine, like my dad was. I should be a womanizer, like my dad was. I should come to church and play the drums and, and sing and do the specials. Anybody remember specials? I remember specials, yeah. And then turn around and leave and do all of those things that was aforementioned because that's what Christians do, they fake it. But you know what? Even at a young age, I knew there was a better way to do it. That even though I didn't have the example of what a father should look like, I knew what a father should look like. I didn't have an example of what a husband should look like, but I had an example of what it should look like. And every single one of you have had those examples in your life presented to you. And Jesus, when you get there to heaven, is it going to say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry, you had a bad example given to you. Your sins are forgiven. You're good to go. You decided to follow the sin. You decided to follow the footsteps of the example before you. You decided to live a life of sin, of drugs, debauchery, and all those things because somebody did it before you. Hey, I'm sorry. I put that example in front of you. You're good to go. No, that's not the way it works. You're not accountable for somebody else's sins. You're accountable for your own. 
So you have to understand what examples have I been following? Who have I been watching? What have I been allowing to be the example set for me? And have I been following? Is it good or is it bad? And if it's bad, you need to recognize that and understand that's not who I need to be looking up to. I need to find myself a different example. I need to find a better way of doing things. Because you can find one. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.